Thank God today when you think about, amen, that very, very story that was told in that song. And one day, amen, amen, one day, God took a tree that he had grew that his son would hang on. Amen. Go ahead, sis. Yes. You go ahead, take your time. Amen, amen. That's all right. She don't have to get loud. Everybody else, let's just stand and give God a big praise for that. On her behalf today, what God is doing as we open the word of God. Amen. And one thing for sure, when the doctors have come up with a decision and a prognosis, we've seen it. Remain standing, if you will, as we turn to the word of God. We, are, we understand that prognosis on earth does not cancel out the prognosis of heaven. Amen. And we are thankful for that today. And we just continue to pray for Jesse and believe in God. It's not only going to give her good days, he's going to give her completed healing in the days to come. And that is our prayer. Amen. And uh, don't doubt, only believe. Only believe. Amen. Have faith in God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me as we remain standing. won't keep you up long. 2 Samuel chapter 18, 2 Samuel chapter 18, and I am so thankful as I listen to that song, it's been years since I'd heard that song, and, and Sister Debbie, thank you for sharing it with us and honoring the Lord and worshiping God in song there and reminding us that God knew all along, amen, that this day over 2,000 years ago with his son was going to take place. And he had already planned it. Amen. So all of you, each one of you looking around today and seeing those around you and seeing those in the community and in your families and generations, God knew all about you. And he knew how to save you. <laughs> he knew how to deliver you. And he knows today how to deliver those that are bound of the enemy. 
The Word of God in 2 Samuel chapter 18, again, verses 9 through 10 that we've read the last two Sundays, and we'll continue on in part three of this particular series. The Bible said, And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule. And the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak. When he was taken up between heaven and earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. Father, we love you today and we ask you that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Dear Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today by your Holy Ghost, not by the frailty of man, not by the mind of man, but of the mind of God, of the Holy Spirit. Anoint me, God. Hide me and speak to every one of us today as we receive your word with joy and gladness. Oh, God, today with warning, whatever the situation may be, that you apply it to our lives. Let it be, God, that which changes us. And Father, we'll just forevermore give you the praise and the glory. We're believing not only for the healing of Jesse. Lord, we're believing for the healing of so many. We're also believing today, God, for the deliverance of those who are lost and undone without you. We're believing today that you're going to set captives free. We're believing that you're going to break the division, that you're going to pull us together in unity. We're believing, God, that you're going to guide us. And, Father, that great things lie ahead in the midst of such a chaotic world that the church can still march forward mightily, accomplishing kingdom purpose and lives be changed for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You believe that? Look at somebody and say, God can do it. God can do it. There's nothing God can't do today. And we are so grateful to know that we serve a Lord who is truly able. As I begin to prepare for this morning's message, again, continuing in the series that we have begun a couple of weeks ago, Uh, Again, the enemy would do everything he could to try to fight me, to hinder me from preaching this message. I would pray, God, is there any way I can get out of it? Anybody ever done that? Is there any way, Lord, that you can shift me in a different direction? God said sometimes it takes the hard stuff to make a shift, son. Let me say that again. Sometimes it takes the hard stuff in life that makes the shift. Sometimes it's important for us to realize that God will deliver unto us that which we need that may not always feel so good, but it has the power to shift us into a blessed place. And the Lord began to speak to my heart and reminded me of the many times past when I had done the very things that he'd asked me to do concerning the messages that I've shared, no matter how hard they were, and realized that if one life was changed over it, it was worth it all. So this morning, this is not my word I'm sharing. Again, it is the word of God, and it's important that it may be difficult for some, but for some it may be refreshing. For some it may be enlightening, but of course and of a surety, It is for the benefit of the kingdom of God and the purpose that God has for us as a people, not only at this church, but churches everywhere. How many believe today that our future is going to be greater than our past? 
That was kind of weak. Just a few people said that. Some of you might not be convinced. Preacher, you just don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through, but I know what I'm going to. Amen. Our future is going to be greater than our past. If we believe this today, then we ought to be excited and focused as we press forward into the place that God is calling us, not with an unsurety or with a doubt, but with a a focus, with a clear understanding that God is able. How many believe he's able today? His ability is greater than our understanding. (laughs) Let me say that again. His ability is greater than our understanding. So what that means is some people may not understand what's going on. Some people might, but God is able no matter what. Amen? Say, well, preacher, why would you say that? Because in this message this morning, we're going to find some people that knew what was going on and some people that didn't. We're going to find some people that were tuned in and some that weren't. But it does not matter whether we understand what's happening or not. God is still able. Someone told me the other day, said I received a report from the doctor and said, uh, uh, you know, I couldn't quite understand it all. It was, uh, it, it was so much uh, uh, doctor terminology. I don't know what you call that. It was doctor terminology. And said, so I couldn't understand it all. But in the end, what I understood was there was a problem. I did understand that. I said, well, you can put all those big words down there and try to explain it out, and it might make sense to a lot of people. Some people understand it. Some people don't. You get like me, you gotta, you got to just break that thing down and just be simple with me. Tell me what's going on, and I may understand it still, and I may still not understand it, but one thing I do know is God is able. I don't care how big the cancer is, God is able. I don't care how long you've had diabetes, God is able. I don't care how long you've been dealing with some kind of handicap, God is able. I don't know how long you've been dealing with heart disease, God is able. I don't know how, I don't know why I'm going here, but I think somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. I don't care how long you've been going through uh, the things you've been going through in your family, your God is able today. He's more than able. My Bible said, uh, oh, come on now, somebody, that you, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in Him. He is able able today. We got to get our church back to a place to where there is no doubt in our spirit and in our mind that we know he is able because when we get that kind of faith in our heart, it won't be hard to lift his name. It won't be hard to glorify him. Amen. I believe today it will not be difficult to get into the closets of prayer through the heart of faith and believe that yes, it may be the circumstance, but God is able. I don't understand it, but God is able. Preacher, you're supposed to be preaching about Absalom. I am, and God is able. I don't care if Absalom shows up in your house. I don't care if he shows up in your church or on your job. You better get your eyes on the one who's able today. To get your eyes on him. We begin to think about the things that God wants us to understand more than anything, 
is a trust and a faith in him that rises above our own ability to understand. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I just know that he will. Somehow, someway, I don't know how he's going to do it. God, you see the circumstances we're dealing with and what we're, what we're facing and what we're fighting. And as we look back in the last couple of weeks, we, we dealt with the spirit of Absalom. And why was that important? Because the enemy wants to choke down your faith. He wants to stop you from believing God is able. He wants to take your focus off of God and put your focus on the enemy. He wants you to focus more on your earthly nature and on your earthly ability to maintain relationship more than your relationship with God. In other words, he wants you to care more about your brothers than you do him. But the Bible didn't say that. It said love your neighbor. But he went on to say, love the Lord your God. He didn't stop there. He said, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor, but don't love your neighbor more than you do God who created you and put life in you. Come on, somebody. Yeah, and how many loves your God? Hallelujah. Man will fail you, but God will love you through it all. God will keep you through it all. We, we got to understand that the enemy will do everything through an Absalom spirit to get you more focused on pleasing people than you are pleasing God. How many God pleasers do we have in the house? Woo! I didn't come here, amen, to, to entertain you. I didn't come here for you to see what kind of suit I got on. I didn't come here to try to fit into the clique. I came here for one reason and one reason only, and that was to connect in worship with God Almighty, to love my neighbor, but to lift his name. I came here to worship him. I came here, amen, because this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I came here today to lift up that lovely name that is above every name. I didn't come here to entertain. I came here to worship him. I didn't come, come on somebody. We're dealing in a generation today that everybody's worried about what everybody else thinks except what God says and what God thinks and what God desires and what God wishes. I wish somebody would say, God, tell me what you need me to know. Lead me in the way I should go. We got more people in this generation today that could care less about God's guidance, but they are more concerned about leading amen to God others in the paths of destruction. But I come to tell somebody today, there are many that don't believe there's a God or that God's in control, but one day soon he's coming back and every eye will see. Woo! Why do you preach these hard messages? Because he's coming back and folk need to get their eyes off of everybody else and get your eyes on God. Amen. We 
we got to get our eyes on God. We got to get our eyes off of people. Get our eyes off of places. And get our eyes off of things. We got to get our eyes fixed. We've seen a man by the name of Absalom who was the son of David. Last week we seen how the spirit of bitterness began to take root. Bitterness resulted in rebellion and vengefulness. And vengefulness resulted in murder. We've seen this unfold in Absalom's life. And we also see that as Absalom had the opportunity, the spirit became relentless in his life. He was committed. Anybody ever, ever thought about that word committed? Years ago, a preacher was telling me one time, he said, there was an airplane that was about to take flight and he got down the runway and as soon as the, the wheels lifted up and the plane became airborne, he began to make a declaration over the radio. He said, I am committed. And I want to tell you that Absalom was committed. You want to know why you, don't, why you shouldn't tic-tac-toe with the devil? Because you can get caught up something you can't control. You can get caught up with something that can take you for a journey you don't want to go on. Woo! What's that old saying? Sin will take you farther than you want to go, leave you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we don't understand the importance of messages like this, but there is a spirit. Well, preacher, we're living in the generation of grace. I want to tell you, yes, we are, but even in the generation of grace, there are demonic forces and spirits that people don't want to talk about that are getting inside of people who are giving place to the devil, and they're being taken on a journey and blinded by those evil spirits, and what they need is they don't need another song to soothe their soul. They need an anointing to break that yoke off their life they need the anointing of God broken off their life they'll smile at you sometime and they lost as a bat they can sing amazing grace but there's a spirit inside of them that they need to be freed from today Preacher, you being judgmental, no. I'm preaching what God's given me. This is the generation that we're living in. In the last days, we are dealing with this, that people are heaping up for themselves teachers, having itching ears. They want people that'll tell them what they want to hear, and they want to shut down the truth. But I come to tell somebody that God is still God. His word is still true, and the truth will set us free. This is the problems we're dealing with. It's a problem that Absalom was dealing with. I gotta hurry and get through this. See, Absalom was committed. It would have been nice if he could have said, you know, I'm wrong. Let me go make some things right. But this spirit had got a hold of him and was taking him on a journey he couldn't do nothing about. His feelings and emotions were now toxic and destructive. 
After the murder of Amnon in 2 Samuel chapter 14, Absalom fled to Geshur for three years. Joab noticed during those three years as he would come around David that the heart of David was toward, the Bible said, Absalom. But now that word toward, if you begin to research, it doesn't necessarily mean that he was completely for him. He loved Absalom, but yet there was a defining frustration and anger that David had toward him. And there was also a duty that David had as king of Israel. The duty was to follow through with the law, which would have meant that Absalom, even though he was David's son, had committed murder and he should have died. But the problem was, we see here in this chapter that David was finding more solace in keeping Absalom away from Israel than having to deal with it personally. He was struggling with this within himself. And Ab, uh, Joab began to notice this. And so uh, uh, he, he began to find a woman in Tekoa who was a wise woman. And he filled her ears with some information of a story concerning her life. It was fictional. And then co uh, compelled her to go into David and to describe to her, her him her circumstances. And she did this. And as she went in, she began to describe about how she had two sons. Or her husband was dead, but she had two sons, and 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 her two sons began to fight, and and in the midst of all this, uh, uh, one son killed the other. Now everybody around them wanted her only son left to, to die, and she was begging for David to intervene because uh, she had no heir to carry on if they were to follow through with this uh, with, with with this execution. And keep in mind that this was all fictional, and so David, she is convinced. David now to, uh, to give a vow that he was going to deal with this and that he was going to take care of this situation that she would not have to worry about it and that nothing was going to happen to her son and then after that she begins to inquire of him again and speak to him concerning Absalom and as she's speaking and as he's listening he begins to figure out some things that are happening in the midst of all this. And he begins to understand that her story was now fiction and that it was his son that was the reason why she was there. Oh, come on now. As ruler, David's job was to bring judgment to his son. But the law of, and the law of God commanded the death of Absalom. But now David's heart is being given over to worldly wisdom. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not lost. His heart is being given over to worldly wisdom that Joab had tried to inflict through this to Cohen woman and in, because he has abandoned his duty as king and he has given himself to the affection of a father. What do you mean by this preacher? He had done his duty and then would have been executed and maybe, just maybe, Absalom wouldn't be going through what he's going through. Right? Greater evils could have been prevented. You believe that? If he'd have walked in the counsel of the Lord rather than giving in to the motions of, the, of his heart. But David gave in to the motions of his heart. But let me tell you something right now. In the, in the matters of your heart, your duty is to God. I'm going somewhere. Y'all get ready for this. 
Your duty is to God, not your feelings. I don't care how you feel, your duty is to God. You may feel like retaliating, but your duty is to God. You may feel like giving in to temptation, and that temptation may seem very, very, very enticing and good, but your duty is to God. You may feel like taking up for your best friend who cooked you a big steak last week and a baked potato, but your duty is to God. Come on now. Don't let your friendships and don't let your family relationships keep you from walking in the duty of God in the matters of the heart. It is more important to walk in the favor of God than it is to walk alongside frailty in relationships that cannot deliver you. I don't care how close you are. They didn't save you. They can't save you. They can't deliver you. Come on, somebody. Because there's an Absalom spirit that is there that we must be willing to deal with. You don't not deal with the issue because of your feelings. You have to make God decisions even when they're difficult. Why? Because there's Absalom spirits out there that's waiting to, to get involved in your journey, in your church, on your job, in your family. It's, it's waiting to get involved. And you've got to be able to say, I'm gonna stand for Jesus. No matter what's happening, no matter how big the storm, I'm gonna stand for him because I know it might not look like it right now, but he he is able. I can't see hope right now, but he is able. I've got to walk in the counsel of God. Proverbs 19, 21 said, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel is the one that will stand. My opinions don't matter but his word will stand. My feelings can't get in the way of that which will stand. Come on, somebody. I'm just asking the Lord in my spirit, not let me say this. When it comes to making decisions for God, all your feelings have got to be laid at the cross. Come on now. How many wants God's will in your life? Doing what's right is not always popular, but it is what's important. It will stand, and it will be a guard against the spirit of Absalom. Every word is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him.
It will guard against the Spirit. Don't you think just because you speak in tongues every day and pray every day and you're close to God that you're not subject to, amen, to come under the influence of this Spirit? You can. The very minute you begin to turn away from that, 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 that faith and that trust and that diligent relationship that you are having in God and surrender to what Absalom's spirit will do. Joab brings Absalom from home, from Geshur, after he speaks with David, and David now is beginning to, uh, to listen to Joab and listen to this Tekoan woman. He says, bring him home. David still, though, refuses to see him. For two years he dwelt in Jerusalem but did not have the king's favor. I'm trying to hurry, but y'all don't have service tonight, so. Two years, David brought him home. But David said, don't bring him to the palace. Send him to his house. For two years, Absalom walks around the kingdom of Israel, not restored, just existing just existing. You know what I thought about in the power of what he's saying there? How miserable it must have been to be the king's son but not have the king's favor. The spirit of Absalom will take you out of the favor of God. He once was favored but because he given in to bitterness and rebellion and, and all these things, then now he has become unfavored of God. I gotta see this. People say, well, why has it, why is church just ain't the same as it used to be? And people, church folk just ain't what church folk ought to be. You know why a lot of times is? Because they're king's children, but they don't have the king's favor. Amen. How miserable it must have been for Joab, to, uh, for, for Absalom to live in Israel but never be able to see his father's face and never have his favor. It must have been miserable. I want to submit to you how miserable it must be to go to church but not have the favor of God, to be part of religious organizations but not have the favor of God, to sing amazing grace but not have the favor of God. What brings the favor of God is when your heart is in tune and when your heart is right and God's favor comes over your life. God give me the favor. Don't let me go to hell right in the church pew. I want the favor of God in my life. Don't let me go to hell with my name on a roll. Dear God, do something in my life. Send me a preacher that'll shake me up and wake me. Send me a saint that'll tell me what I'm doing wrong and do it in love. Send me somebody that ain't afraid to tell me the truth because they care for my soul. They care for my soul. 
they'll tell me the truth. How miserable it must be. Spirit of Absalom leads to anger, bitterness, rebellion, vengeance, and also manipulation. Absalom. <laughs> Two years waiting around. No word from daddy. You'd have thought maybe he'd have sent word. He said, tell Tell the king I'm sorry. I don't like living like this. But he didn't. Yet he still wanted to see David. So in 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 28 through 30, Absalom sent for Joab. But Joab didn't come. A second time he sent for Joab. But Joab didn't come. Instead of sending a message to Joab saying, hey, Joab, I, I, really, I really want to make things right with daddy, with the king. I really have a, I have a desire to, to move from this place that I'm living and be restored into the favor of the king. And I'm sorry for what I've done. And I'm willing to die. He didn't say that. He told his men, he said, hey, don't you know there's a barley field out there? And it's Joab's barley field. Now this is coming from somebody who supposedly has a good heart and they want to do the right thing. He said, Joab's got a barley field out there. Hey, hey man, how about go out there and set his barley fields on fire? I bet he'll come a-running then. So they set his fields on fire. I just have to imagine, the Bible don't say this, I just have to imagine, here's Joab probably sitting there wondering, you know, Joe, I don't know what Absalom wants, but, but I just ain't got time for him right now. But you know, you know, my goodness, maybe there's something going to happen there. Maybe he's just walking along. All of a sudden, he looks up and sees smoke coming from his barley field. Oh, this could be nothing but the hand of Absalom. And he begins to run to Absalom and wonder, what in the world did you set my barley field? I tell you, I said it because he wanted to manipulate you to get you to do what he wanted you to do. The spirit of Absalom is a manipulation spirit. That's why, amen, so many churches struggle with it because they hold things over your head or they try to do things, amen, to get you manipulated to do what they want you to do. Come on, somebody. I'm going I'm to preach. I'm going to take the lid off. Amen. We're going to deal with some things in this series. People too busy manipulating one another instead of pulling together and saying, God, have your way. And if God can't move them, I don't. There's a difference in influence and manipulation. There's a difference. Absalom still had this, you're going to do what I want you to do, spirit. I had a fellow come to me one time. He was leading the worship. 
years ago. Can I share that? Y'all bored? If I'm boring, I ain't trying to bore you. This is good stuff, though. And, and, you know, well, I'm just going to tell you, he wasn't that great of a singer. He got saved older in life. Played a guitar. He could do that pretty good. But some songs he could sing. We let him. We let him lead the singing, and it was no problem because we had we had a way we could look past all that. We just, you know, as long as you had a heart for God, and you know, we 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 needed resources, people. We just let God use you, and God blessed it. But one day we had a revival, and I had invited some guest singers to come in. This revival went ten weeks. I wasn't preaching it. We had another evangelist. I did fill in a few times. But we had an evangelist come in. The revival went 10 weeks. The first week of this revival, we had some different people come in from uh, other communities and, and stuff to sing and to lead to singing. And, and it was just a wonderful thing. Ain't that what you do if you got people? You know what I'm saying? So anyway, we had this group there, and he had come that night, and, and he knew they were coming. And he grabbed his guitar and he comes storming by the sound booth where I was at. He passed by that little window and then he snapped his head back and he said, let me tell you something, preacher. I ain't coming back until you get rid of them. I'll go somewhere else and play. Y'all look at me like, how is he going to handle this? i tell you how I started to handle it, and I thank God for my wife. Because he come and I stuck his head in there and went to holler at me like that, and that old carnal nature come over me. And when he left and he went that way, I came out and my wife sold me, and I had my fist around, and she grabbed me. I was embarrassed. I was wrong. But he made me mad, but she grabbed me. Thank God for her. That don't happen very often now. I'm going to tell you, I ain't that kind of person. I'm easy going. But it caught me off guard. My wife said, don't you do it. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to join the club. So next day he come to work where I was at and he, he said he had a better spirit than he said, I just want to tell you, uh, I didn't mean no harm by that. I, I just want you to know that I don't want, if I can't lead singing, then, then I'm not going to be there and they can be there and when that evangelist leaves, then, then I'll be back. I said, God, every day I was praying, God, let this revival go on another week. <laughs> One more week, Lord. 
crowds got bigger. The revival got bigger. The anointing got stronger. We had not only the evangelists that had come, but we had two or three other pastors in the area that joined in. One night we had the, the, uh, the, this particular gentleman uh, that was a dear friend of mine. He came in at the spur of the moment. We asked him to preach and fill in because the evangelist couldn't be there. It was about the eighth or ninth week. And all of a sudden he began to preach. By the time he got through, everybody in the building was on their feet. And the Holy Ghost was on everybody from the youngest to the oldest. It was the most beautiful sight you'd ever seen. God's Holy Ghost shaking the foundation of every life. People were worshiping. Lives were being changed. Chains were being broken. Let me tell you this. It ain't about him. It ain't about you. It's about God today. It's a You don't manipulate people to get what you want. Absalom was a, a spirit of manipulation. It was a manipulation plot to be restored to his rightful place. There was no sincerity in what he was doing. It was all just a ploy. I want to tell you, Jesus is coming. And spirits like this need to be conquered. Not only did he have a spirit of manipulation, but lastly, he had a spirit that stole hearts to build kingdoms. After the meeting with David, Absalom uses his rightful resources. David kissed him. It was a sign of his restoration. He prepared chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him, establishing his position in the kingdom. And then he went to work at the gate. The plot was in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 2 through 3. Absalom would rise early and stand beside the gate. So it was when everyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call him and say, what city are you from? You ever seen that? Had people standing by the door just waiting to intercept you and get your mind off of what's important, trying to keep you from the king. Absalom's spirit will stand by the door and keep you from getting to the king. He'll try to, to pull you in and, and to get your mind off focus. But how come to get to the king? Oh, how many times have we struggled to get to the king because of Absalom's spirits? He would stand at the gate and, and he would call him and say, what city are you from? And he would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. In other words, uh, he would intercept the people and say, there's nobody there that's going to help you with your problems. Every person who had a controversy and needed the king's guidance were intercepted by Absalom. There is Some folk can't worship because Absalom got to you. Some folk can't get to the cross and get saved because Absalom got to you. Come on now. It ain't that God can't save you, it's that Absalom got a hold of you. Some folk done lost their anointing because Absalom got a hold of them. Some churches done been hindered because the Absalom spirit got a hold. 
I ain't got time to go back. I'm telling you, I know churches everywhere have dealt with this. People everywhere have dealt with this. It has been a generational battle from generation to generation. And the only way to overcome it is to look the devil dead in the eye and say, devil, I see you. And you may have tried to hold my family back, keep them from the cross, but I'm standing in the gap for them. You trying to keep this community from revival, but I'm standing in the gap for them. You trying to hold me back from walking in God's anointing, but I'm standing in the foundation of God's word in a heart that is right before God. I surrender all. You cannot win this battle over my life. I'm telling somebody today, if there's an Absalom spirit gets in your way, rebuke it and keep on walking. Hey, take me to the king, baby. I'm telling you, I ain't getting hung up in this ditch. Take me to the king. In his presence is fullness of joy. Take me to the king. I feel the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit of God. Absalom prays upon these conditions. He professed devotion to these people. Oh, let me tell you what you do. If you'll vote for me, I tell you, I will hook you up. That's what the spirit of Absalom said. If you'll trust me, I'll take care of you. You'll always have that position. You'll always have your needs met. If you'll just come to me, the king don't have time for you. Let me go ahead and tell you, anybody that says God don't have time for somebody is a liar. He has always got time for people who want to come to him and surrender their hearts to him. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 4. Anna Grace, if you'll come on, please. Absalom said, if I was a judge in the land, I'd take care of every case, and I'd give you justice. Remember, the Bible spoke of Absalom being a very beautiful person in countenance. Spoke of him of having a lot of people, had favor with a lot of people, he uses his inner beauty, outer beauty, excuse me, to mask his deceptive heart to win the hearts of the people. Each one that would come to him, he took them by the hand. He kissed them. Don't you kiss me unless you mean it. The Bible said, greet one another with a holy kiss. It better be holy. It better be in the right spirit. Don't kiss me spiritually or physically with a spirit that you're trying to manipulate. They were moved by his sense of compassion, which was false. They didn't see it. Remember I said earlier, there are people who understand and people who don't understand. 
And they'll judge the leader by, based off their understanding rather than God's discernment. Amen? They'll put you in some sleepless nights because you're trying to juggle how to navigate through this with a people who don't understand versus a people who do. Why? Because the Absalom spirit don't want you to understand. He wants to continue to divide and he wants to, to create cliques. Remember, cliques are tricks. Got to turn them off. Clicks are tricks. We have gotten to a place where we can't embrace the whole body. We're in a mess. Wherever you are. At the time of what would be the 40th year of David's reign, let me move quickly, I'm almost through. Absalom begins to plot and to capitalize on his deception. So he calls for David to allow him to go down to Hebron. He's going down to Hebron to sacrifice and to give his vows before the Lord that he told David that he had vowed. So David gave his blessing. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10, Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. Now this is coming from a man who was supposed to send Joab to the king because he was tired of living without the favor of the king. I thought he was trying to make things right. No, no, no. There's something else going on here. And so 200 men went out with Absalom as they left Jerusalem. He's stealing hearts at the gate and he's building his kingdom. There's a lot of churches out there that need to hear what I'm saying right now. There's a lot of churches that are being run by kingdoms that God didn't establish. And I'm so thankful Stoneville is no longer one of them. Amen. Preacher, I'm mad with you. It's the truth. When you build your kingdom, your kingdom does not do the will of the Father. It does the will of earthly measures and humanity. So he went out, he stole hearts, he built the kingdom, and they had no clue what the real intentions were for Absalom. These people didn't understand. They were just following Absalom because, oh, he was a good-looking fellow, and he was the king's son. I'm glad I'm not good-looking. I thought y'all would laugh. Laugh a little bit harder. They followed him for every reason but the right reasons. It all looks innocent. Then you can innocently get caught up in the narrative. There are people that are caught up in kingdoms that God didn't build. Simply innocent. Innocent through it all. They didn't mean to get there. But that's the spirit of manipulation. That's the spirit of Absalom. The spirit of stealing hearts. Sounds good. Looks good. But in the end, it's deceptive and destructive. Absalom sent 2 Samuel chapter 15 for Ahithophel, David's counselor from the city of Gilo, which he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy grew stronger for the people with Absalom continually increased in number. 
The revolt is forming to establish the kingdom not of God through deceptive measures. It is a deceptive trap. It's a real battle. Stand with me if you will, please. It's a real battle. One that has affected lives for generations. One that has negatively impacted churches and secular organizations as well. And the only hope we have to protect ourselves from it or to overcome it is to focus. God give us discernment. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit give us the discernment of God. Before you go jumping on the bandwagon of everything that you hear or what looks good, submit yourself to God. Hear what God has to say. Psalm chapter 121. The Bible said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help, not but to the, to the spirits which cometh my destruction. I'm lifting my eyes up to God. My help cometh from the Lord. It don't come from the one that's standing in the gate trying to steal my heart. My God, get me to the king. Come on, somebody. What is the answer? How do we overcome? Keep walking past those spirits of Absalom and get to the king. He didn't block the gate. He stood by it. Get through the gate into the king. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. God, I feel the Holy Ghost and his courts with praise. Amen. Take me to the king. Get me to the altar. Take me to the king. Take me to the king. Let me ask you this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. How many are saying this morning, Lord, I'm fully trusting you. I'm fully trusting in your word. You're my shepherd. You're my solace. I don't need Absalom. I got the best. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God, I'm pressing through the gate into the place of the presence of the king. If that's you this morning, I want everybody all over the church just to come and gather around these altars for a moment. Lift your hands before God. Oh, and make a declaration of God today. God, help me as I pray. Dear God, to have the discernment of God in my life. Don't let the spirits of Absalom keep us from seeing souls saved. Lord God, today keep us from walking in healing. Keep us from getting to the king. Oh, that is able. In the name of Jesus, I declare healing right now. I declare disease being healed right now. That spirit of Absalom can't fix it. Oh, but God today, 
Oh, the healer, the king, King Jesus. Father, moving across this congregation today, we're going to put our trust in you. Oh, that spirit of Absalom says, I can fix it. But they can't nobody fix it like Jesus can. That spirit of Absalom says, you're going to leave here unchanged. But the spirit of God says, come unto me all ye who labor and are heavy laden. And I'm a wonderable sign. I will give you rest. The, the enemy of Absalom will say, your anointing will only come through me. But I want to tell you that God says that I will anoint you. You don't need a, a spirit of Absalom to mask as your anointing. You need God's Holy Spirit to be your anointing. You need his Holy Ghost to guide you today. You in the name of Jesus I pray a fresh anointing upon this congregation of discernment dear God that you're building hearts that will press past the gate into the presence of the king that when they leave they'll leave with an assurance that my God has got everything in the name of Jesus I declare amen the healing of the Lord right now and all the doctors have said we're believing right now is going to be reversed what you're doing in Jesse Lord you're going to do for others you raise the dead you set the captive free you heal the blinded eyes there ain't nothing too hard for you Today, God, is a day where there are folks who are breaking into the place of faith. Oh, we're not moving by our feelings right now. We're moving by faith. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. It's time to wake up. It's time to tune in. It's time to be alert. Jesus is coming. There's work to do. Jesus is coming. There's people that need to be saved. Jesus is coming. There's people that, that, that need to see the miraculous move of God's hand. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Rabasatai. Kondorobosi. Hilabahandalamasihanai. Oh, Holy Ghost, right now. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. I want to ask you to believe, everybody up here right now, that if you believe that you came by faith, that you're leaving this place, and that God is touching you, that you're not leaving empty-handed, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I came to get a hold of the king. I came to press past everything that was at the gate. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his holy name.